Welcome to Knives Out Minute, or should I say Knive Out Minute? Haha, <laughs> hope you listened to yesterday. Well, that will not make any sense. I'm your host, but wouldn't it be weird also if people are listening to these in a random order? I cannot imagine someone listening to this format out of order. It seems absurd to me. I'm already imagining the person who's watching the movie for the first time minute by minute along with us. <laughs> uh, and, and now I'm also imagining somebody who's like... Oh, they did a Knives Out podcast. I'll just go ahead and check out Minute 92. That was my favorite one. If they do a good job on that, I'll check out the rest of them. <laughs> I don't know. Well, That's hey, a bold move. A what did, I say? did I say my name? I'm your host, Brian. There we go. I, I said it now. Uh, my guest is Rick Ingham, and we are on Minute 92, which goes from 1 hour 31 minutes and 0 seconds to 1 hour 31 minutes and 59 seconds. <laughs> nailed it. And, uh... Yeah, it's an exciting time to be. Uh, it's an exciting time to be Marta because she got an email. Absolutely, an email that is essentially just an address and a time, which is very ominous. Columbus Road, ten a.m. Yeah, it's not the kind of email you want to receive when you're being blackmailed. Exactly. Now, uh, have you by any chance done a bit of a Google Map search to see where twelve oh nine Columbus Road leaves you? Uh, I did not. Why have you? Uh, well. The closest Columbus Road that I could find in Massachusetts was over in Woburn, and uh, it deposits you in a little suburb cul-de-sac road that does not have numbers that go all the way up into the 1200s. So you'd be a little hard-pressed to find the exact address that Marta's been sent here. But it is really fun to go through the shooting locations for this movie because they go all over Massachusetts. And it's really fun to just pop your head in and be like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, Marta and Ransom, they are sitting on Mill Road that leads up to the RMV that they used here. And it's kind of cool. cool. I do know that the uh, the restaurant they went to uh, was the the Flat Penny, which I am planning on going to uh, this summer. Mm. Uh, to check out, um, although I believe they are uh, still currently closed down. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll let you do takeout. There you go. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens by the uh, or you know by the middle of the summer. But yeah, no, I do like that. A uh, the use of a real. I mean, it sounds like a real address. You know, sounds convincing. I'd believe it. But yeah, it's a little like Nero Wolf living on like the nine hundreds block of whatever street he lived on, and the, somebody asked the uh, the author about that. And it turned out it was in the East River. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, there's no 900s block here. <laughs> no. I always, all, I also have to wonder. Sometimes, I also have to wonder. Speaking of making mm-hmm. things up, if anybody has ever tried emailing Marta Cabrera nine eight nine at gmail dot com, I have to assume that that's like, like you know they they set that up ahead of time. Oh yeah, you can set up Google accounts for free anytime you want. But is that an inbox that anybody is maintaining, or if that's just gonna mm-hmm. sit in an inbox forever so that no one ever, you know, replies to it? I certainly don't think ProtonMail.com is a real service. 
Well, probably. Well, I don't know. Let me find out. ProtonMail.com. Um, yeah, no, that's real. It's secure email based in Switzerland. Oh, oh well, yeah, that, that, that sounds that's like something a rich person would use. Yep. This this is for people that want to uh, exchange secure bank account numbers and, I don't know, cryptocurrency. <laughs> I did find it interesting that apparently Marta was born in September of 1989, because that does make her a year younger than uh, the uh, the actual actor, which mm. doesn't, doesn't really make a difference, but... <laughs> I always wonder when you make up a birthday for the person, why would why would you not just use the actual, I don't know. It was When I was trying to work out how old um, various characters were in Titanic recently, I realized that my whole methodology was flawed because Gloria Swanson was born two years after the Titanic sank. <laughs> which which I'm expected to believe she's playing tw like 27 years older than she actually is. Because I was trying to look at, like, okay, if Kate Winslet was this age in the movie, then something, something. So, I don't know. I guess it's just something I noticed because it happened to be on my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't really talked about the plot. We kind of left people assuming the only thing that happened this week was that Marta got an email and stared at it for a minute. Um, but uh, this is, it was, it's 10 a.m. and I was looking down and making my note. What time was it on the clock uh, in the car? Oh. It's like it's only it's nine thirty two. They've got a full twenty eight minutes to get wherever they need to go. Yeah, which hypothetically is all the way across Massachusetts. So who knows? Right. Um, but it's definitely an urgent time, especially uh, when Benoit looks up and notices the car over there, and so Marta decides to make a break for it. She peels out and speeds away as the cops give chase. I've got to say, yes, that Benoit. Looking over and noticing Marta's car feels like such a real thing that would actually happen. When you watch a movie and one of the characters just doesn't notice when someone that they are someone that they know is sitting nearby and they don't notice them, it doesn't seem real. So Benoit lazily wandering around and happening to look over in Marta's direction feels incredibly plausible to me and i love that detail and it's comical to think that marta and ransom can just duck down behind the dashboard and camouflage their entire vehicle there um i was watching a show on netflix and actually i'll, I'll talk a little more about this later because it's a bit of a fascinating series but um it was this uh it's called the stranger and there's this scene where there's the, these three teenagers who were spying on a house and they were pulled into the the driveway of the house across the street because uh, it had some trees around it and they were spying and the woman comes out of the house with a bunch of trash and she starts walking across the street because she's thrown out the trash in the neighbor's trash can or bin i should say because they're english hmm. um and all three of the teenagers like suddenly like scramble and duck down and i was just thinking there's no way she wouldn't notice a sudden flurry of movement in the car <laughs> Anyway, then they got out and got the uh, trash and found some clues, because, you know, mysteries. Uh, exactly. And also, if you're worried about being seen, why would you then immediately get out and go right for the trash can that somebody just very clearly, secretively threw something out in and might be, like, looking over their shoulder? It, it's an interesting show, which, again, we'll talk about later, but everybody in it is a complete idiot. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's very much that kind of thing. But, you know, it definitely didn't work in this case because Benoit recognized the car itself. And when it peeled out, because uh, he, he knew she was in it because uh, he calls her, like, immediately. And uh, there's that all taken care of. The uh, the thing that I want to say about this scene and why this, these upcoming scenes uh, are so special to me and hold such a close place in my heart is I didn't realize when I was watching the movie until they showed the close-up of the the car's clock. That's my car. <laughs> She's oh, driving. You also drove a Hyundai Accent? A, a, a 2008 Hyundai Accent. Uh, mine was orange. That was the, the only difference, though, because as soon as I noticed that, I was looking and I was like, oh my god, yeah, this is my same terrible car. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there you go. I will say I have a lot of affection for that car. Since the last episode I recorded, uh, I have actually sold it uh, uh, to my younger sibling. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've, I've purchased... Actually, I stuck with a Hyundai just because, you know, I'm not a brand loyalist, but the price was right. I've got a Sonata now, so... But, uh, yeah, my... yeah, no, when I was watching, I was like, aw, that car. Yeah, my first car was also a Hyundai Accent, although mine was a 1993, I believe. And it wasn't a hash... It wasn't a hatchback. It was a four-door. But, uh, yeah, it was very reliable, it uh it took a couple of hits along mm-hmm. the way, not always my fault, and it kept going. It's honestly, if I was to be a brand loyalist, I could pick a worse brand. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai, because um, mine was like <laughs> I had one hundred twenty thousand miles on it. You know, like I said, it was a two thousand eight, so it's you know getting up there in years as far as cars are considered. It was running totally smoothly. It didn't have a single bit of mechanical trouble with it the entire time. It's just my brother's car, which incidentally also a Hyundai Accent, but from a few years previously, was just in pretty rough shape. And so I was like, well, listen, he's buying a new one anyway. I'm going to sell him. "Eh, We'll be all fine. Uh, (laughs) You know, I'll get my down payment and I'll... uh, This has been car talk. Right. Yeah. If there's one thing I miss about my Hyundai, it's the gas mileage. It had excellent gas mileage. Right now I drive a V8 pickup truck, which uh, Mm -hmm. does not do as well at the pump. Uh, since getting the Sonata, I have filled it only once. I was a little surprised at the cost, and then I realized that's because the tank is, like, twice the size of the accent. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I took that accent cross-country. I live in New Jersey. I drove it all the way out to, uh, uh to Selma, Oregon, and then up to Seattle, and then back around. Uh, totally fine. It was totally reliable the whole way. Not the most comfortable car in the world to sleep in when the time calls for it, but... Well, certainly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, however, I will say, not the kind of car you want to run from the cops in. Oh, <laughs> oh certainly not. Does not exactly have a tremendous amount of pickup. And that's where we find ourselves. Uh, so our, our weekly question here uh, for Tuesday is um, general feelings on murder mysteries. So this is what I was saying, that we would be talking about your uh, Poirot. Uh, so which, uh, which one was it that you saw that came to mind there? So after watching... Knives Out, I went on YouTube and I found a video that basically said, if you liked Knives Out, you should check out these films. And so the particular Poirot mystery that I ended up watching was 1982's Evil Under the Sun. That one is, I will say this, I Peter Ustinov as Poirot, I think I talked about him before, is an interesting presence if you're a fan of the books, which I am. But like you were talking about stack casts, please go ahead. Cause yeah, I, 
really have not seen Peter Ustinov in any other things, but what really drew me in were the other names in the cast. So you've got James Mason, you've got Maggie Smith, Diana Rigg is in there. And just to see all of these top-notch actors in their prime, not that they ever like fell off afterwards, but like they're... <laughs> This movie has a scene where Maggie Smith and Diana Rigg get to be catty to one another, and that's such an excellent garnish on what is already a very full plate. Extremely so. Yeah, to say um, nothing of the setting, which is, I believe, a Grecian island resort, which, uh, for the for the summer that we watched it in, it also, I believe, was the summer where we were watching a lot of Mamma Mia. So it just <laughs> fits so well with the theme of what we were watching that particular uh, season. The way I described, and I forget if this one made it to air on this show before, so I apologize if I'm repeating, was uh, the way I described every performance in that movie was it's like Maggie Smith and um, James Mason and Diana Rigg and Robbie McDowell um, and a couple of the sporting people that aren't as big names. Like, every single one of them read the script and was like, hmm, I'm going to use this in an attempt to become a campy gay icon. <laughs> and so they, every single one of them, and then when they found out that's what everybody else was doing, they decided to crank it up to 11. And it's it's just amazing. <laughs> Um, there are uh, there are six uh, Peter Ustinov Poirot movies, um, which uh, you know, like, he's he's a weird choice for the part, but yeah, the movies are all quite good. The portrayal that he gives as this master uh, mystery solver—I don't know—you just you look at him and you're like, really, that's who you're going to go with for this role? Okay, yeah, let's okay, we'll see he's how it like, goes. Weirdly cuddly, <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to describe him. He's a very, like, very cheerful, relaxed Poirot. <laughs> and, like, the guy's whole thing is, like, being tightly wound. I don't know. It was weird. But he, he, Peter Ustom was a good actor, so. I think it was as if you just, like, mentally in your head say, like, he's playing Captain Mustache. <laughs> the finest French detective, Captain mm -hmm. Mustache. Uh, and then you can uh, you can get over that. Uh, so I did want to say, since we're talking about murder mysteries, I did want to actually go so far as to recommend um, The Stranger on Netflix. Not because it's a good show, because I don't think it is. It's, But if you like murder mysteries... Well, okay, so it starts out with... Uh, you got Richard Armitage, and uh, Hannah John Kamen comes up to him uh, at his kid's soccer practice and tells him uh, a secret about his family. And then that sets off this whole big mystery when he tries to find out if it's true. And then also, in the same episode, there are some detectives investigating a decapitated alpaca that was found in the middle of town. Mm. And I was watching that and I just thought, my God, I hope these two things have nothing to do with each other. I hope that this is just a domestic drama and an unrelated alpaca mystery <laughs> that happened to be sharing a time slot, I guess. And you know what? It kind of was. <laughs> so it was this one of those, like, this is a small town where everybody's got secrets and everybody knows everybody's secrets, but people don't know what they know. And so every episode piled on another ah, four, five, or six other stupid mysteries on top of the existing mysteries. <laughs> and it was just kind of like, hmm, plots get a little bored and throw another mystery on the fire. <laughs> but somehow it worked, and... 
every single one of the eight episodes, and it's a one-season show. It was based on a book. It got to the ending of the book, so that's it. It's one and done. But every single episode ended with a cliffhanger that had me going, like, five minutes from the end. I was like, all right, I'm kind of over this show. And then I would get that and be like, ah, dang it. Ah, yeah, all right, I'll watch the next one. So... (laughs) There you go. If you guys are into, uh, I guess I did spoil a little bit about it by identifying it as a murder mystery, but somebody gets murdered in the second episode. So, you know, that's quite a one right there. So that's that. Uh, we didn't really talk much about Knives Out this time, but uh, that's because, again, this is a pretty uh, spoiler inviting episode. We're going to have a lot to talk about at the end of the week. Yeah. Now, before we wrap things up, we get a really good look at Marta's phone as she's holding it up, seeing that. Benoit is calling her does it surprise you at all with the car that she drives and her living conditions that she also happens to have a cracked screen it just seems like when it rains it pours like if your car isn't that great your phone isn't that great like sure she's the personal nurse for someone who is very wealthy but that doesn't mean that she's living in the lap of luxury yeah yeah, we, we we know how like even harlan who is you know a good person the way the rest of his family isn't like you know is he's he's not somebody who's inclined to uh, pay that well. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure she's doing fine. I'm sure it's a good job the, for her to get. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, she had a, a good connection with him and all. But all that yeah, being yeah. said, like it's one thing. I don't doubt that she can support she's herself, a her sister, and her mother with yeah. that job. But she's also not running out and getting a new phone every week, uh, shelling out the big money to replace a screen, get a, getting a better car, and all that other. Uh, not to stereotype drivers of Hyundai accents, but uh, yeah, my screen looked just about like that for oh years until the uh, time came for me to uh, get a a free upgrade. Yeah. Um, I had the bad luck. I had one of the good cases, and then it slipped out of my hand, and it fell like basically completely parallel to the ground and landed on a loose piece of gravel. Yep. So that case did nothing. And that was that. So yeah, and uh, yeah, exactly. Like you know, she's she's not doing bad financially, but she's not get a new car, get a new phone. Yeah, it it's a bit endearing because it reminds me of uh, when I used to drive a Hyundai. I'm like, oh, we are all of a kind. <laughs> we are indeed. <laughs> I feel like I feel like now Hyundai's going to pull their uh, sponsorship because we're getting a little down on them now. Like, I mean. I mean... Get a Hyundai if your life is, you know, not bad. <laughs> I was about to say, you you don't always want to hear glowing, unrealistic advertisements. Sometimes if you have a brand that can be like, you know what? We may not be the best, but we'll get you from point A to point B. There's a lot of value in honesty. This episode brought to you by Hyundai. The car that's, you know, fine. <laughs> it's got four wheels and an engine. What do you want? The competent vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, thank you very much. Uh, if you could uh, uh, plug your lovely podcast again. Uh, Absolutely. Ask, you, know, you get everyday plugs. I only get two. I'm not bitter. We had a lot of car talk today, and if you are interested in a equivalent amount of car talk for a series that is very much about vehicles, go over to MadMaxMinute.com where you can hear my co-host and I talk about the Mad Max series of movies one minute at a time. And if you want to uh, catch me on Twitter or Instagram, just search for at Rick D. Rekt. 
I don't post a lot. There we go. And that's, that's it. it. <laughs> that's it. That's all we got. I'm trying to remember, and this is because I'm good. If I get it wrong, I'm going to embarrass myself that, that whole time, and that's why I was I was a little slow on the pickup there. I was trying to remember the name of the car for like what kind of a car Mad Max drives, and don't tell me because I know it's a made up name because they built a fake car. Um, I mean, Pursuit Special. Yeah, yeah it's, it's there. It's we go. Not, it's the um, it's a Ford XB Falcon is the actual make of the car, and they just call it the Pursuit Special because they made it specially for pursuits. But didn't they build, like, a special, like, frame on it, I think, as well, so that it wasn't, like... I, 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 I remember reading... Well, I know, obviously, the Supercharger coming out right. of the as the As the series went on, it got more and more customized, but the bones of it were pretty regular, and then they threw the Supercharger in it to make it a bit more fast. <laughs> to make it more future. Exactly. exactly. It's a, well, it's a it's a fascinating series because every single uh, like installment, I almost said episode, seems to take place approximately five thousand years after the previous one. Exactly, which uh, which I love. It's the kind of series where you can imagine it happening a couple of years from next Tuesday. The first one basically took place in nineteen ninety three, and then the second one, uh, you know, uh, society had completely collapsed. Yeah, you could just wave your hand around and mumble a bit, and everyone could be satisfied with that. Exactly. All right. So that's it from us. Get us on uh, uh, our Twitter at Knives Out Minute. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, and uh, that's that. I'll uh, I'll see you tomorrow. And uh, all chance. I never came up with this. <laughs>